Hey, good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Doing the Thing podcast. Um, Jason couldn't join us today, our co-host, but um, so I'm Philip Macko, as you all know, and um, really honored to have a couple guests and more importantly, experts in a uh, really, really fascinating and potentially devastating sector. Um, so a couple things to talk about. You've all read the headlines I'm sure you have, and I'm sure you've seen the most recent cyber attack. And I'm sure you think about it every time you put, uh, you know, you go to the, the gas station and you fill up your car, it comes top of mind again. Um, it may surprise you uh, that every 39 seconds, somebody is getting hacked and uh, cyber criminals out there are creating somewhere in the order of 300,000 malware programs a day. <laughs> and look, the consequences are devastating. Uh, and we're going to get into some of the risks um, associated, some of the loss associated that can occur. Um, but we're really going to take a deeper dive into that particular event. So without her, uh, further ado, I first want to introduce my friend, uh, Brittany. And Brittany owns a company called Synetric. And they are in the IT management cybersecurity space. So Brittany, tell us a little bit about yourself. Hey, Phil. Thanks so much for having us here today. Um, I'm president and CEO of Synetric Network Services. We're located out of Kansas City, and we serve clients all throughout the Midwest. We're business-to-business -business IT services, and we service everyone from small law firms all the way up to college universities and uh, Fortune 500 companies. So we have a lot of scale, a lot of variety, come across a lot of uh, security issues, compliance. Um, we do a lot with cybersecurity. And I've actually invited my cybersecurity expert, David Warner, um, just because he has such a wealth of knowledge and experience. Um, cybersecurity has been his bread and butter for the last 14 years. And so I'm gonna let him talk a little bit about uh, just cybersecurity. Hi, Phil. Hi, Brittany. Thanks for having me on today. Um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to chatting about this. The, uh, the recent attacks have been something that's been deeply fascinating to me and just kind of learning about how these threat actors did what they did and uh, where things are going from there. So I'm really excited to talk with you guys today. Yeah, outstanding. And listen, for all of you listening or for who own businesses. And for those of you who are listening and perhaps you don't own a business, but have a friend who does, this is mission critical stuff. This can shut you down in a heartbeat. And I think the average time it takes to hack a network, if I read correctly, is 18 minutes, as fast as 18 minutes. Um, so this is real stuff. Um, and specifically, we're gonna talk about the largest petrol distributor on the Eastern coast, right? Um, yes. And you've all seen the headlines. So, you know, they were hacked. Like, first of all, Dave, how the heck did this even happen? Well, so they were attacked by an organization calling themselves Darkside. Um, and Darkside is a uh, threat actor out of Russia, Ukraine area um, that, you know, there's, the, there's a common conception of you know, these uh, ransomware attacks or hacks coming from some kid in the basement somewhere. And that's really not at all the case these days. Uh, it has become huge business. And this, uh, this attack by Darkside is a uh, particular indicator of, you know, what the sort of thing that we're looking at these days. 
where we have <clears throat> an organization that in a lot of ways functions like a business. They set up customer service uh, portals. They set up you know, systems by which their, their victims can, get, can contact them for assistance in getting their stuff decrypted after paying an enormous amount of money. Wait, wait, um, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> like a chat window, like, hey, we're 24 seven. You can chat with us anytime. We just stole your information. So give us a call. Exactly like that. In fact, uh, they'll even set up a dedicated phone line for their victims. Oh, that's ridiculous. Um, and similarly, <laughs> the, the actual attacks themselves are carried out through these affiliate programs. It's, it's, it's a channel partnership. They will go out on the dark web and they will say, we've created this terrible ransomware that will get all kinds of money. We want help getting it put into as many companies as possible. You, you license our ransomware and we'll give you a cut of the proceeds. You take 10% for get, just getting us into the network and we'll, get, we'll take care of it from there. Are you kidding? It's like the uh, evil Amazon affiliate program. That's exactly <laughs> right. <laughs> this is insane. I didn't know. Um, and so what will happen is these affiliates will, they'll go in and they'll do what's called kind of a low and slow attack where they will uh, use whatever forms of uh, uh, ingress that they can get a hold of, whether that be, you know, sneaking in through a unsecured remote desktop session, um, getting brute forcing a VPN password, um, just using various known exploits and hacks to get into any public facing system. And they will sit there for months at a time. Um, it's been known, it's been shown that sometimes they will stay resident in the system for eight months to a year before they do anything at all. Oh. Once they're in there, or they begin moving laterally throughout the system, um, identifying any weaknesses that they can find, trying to track down any open passwords, any um, uh, anything they can do to gain as much control over the network as is humanly possible while getting as little or while drawing as little attention to themselves as they can. And then once they've decided that they've got, you know, once they know how much money the company makes, how much it can afford to pay, uh, how valuable its data is, where all of its data, uh, secure data is stored, everything they can possibly get their hands on, that's when they finally will launch the ransomware attack. And that's, this is what happened with uh, Colonial. The ransomware attack basically goes in, it encrypts all of the data. So all, you know, all the end users, suddenly their computers will say, your data has been locked up by DarkSide or by whatever the threat actor is that's acting at this time. If you want to get your information back, you're going to have to pay us and you're going to have to pay us a lot. Um, it's estimated, it, it's currently believed that uh, Colonial ended up paying about $5 million to get their data back. Wow. Um, and that's on the smaller side of some of these hacks. Wow. They, uh, what's worse though is, you know, five, six years ago when ransomware was first starting to make its rounds, you would just say, okay, well, I'll just, I'll just recover for backup. I don't need to, to pay to get my information back. I'll just restore my backups. But now the first thing they're doing is going in and trying to corrupt the backups as best they can to make sure that your backups are no good to recover, to restore from. And secondly, um, the other really nasty component to this is they'll go out and they will take all that data that before they encrypt it all, they collect it all and send it to their own servers and then say, even if you recover from backup, we're just going to post all of your trade secrets out on the dark web and sell it to the highest bidder. So your choice is pay us the ransom or your business goes down. And that's about all there is to it. Wow. Um, so it is, 
a really nasty environment um, where even recovering from it can still cost you an enormous amount of money. Um, even if you're not going to pay the ransom, even if you're going to just, you know, uh, re restore from backups and try to shore up your losses as best you can, you run the risk of losing out on enormous amounts of trade secrets and things like that. And to make it even more of a uh, <laughs> fun dilemma in some cases, a lot of the times these, uh, at these attacks are carried out by groups like, uh, or by state-sponsored actors or actors in, you know, hostile states to the U.S., um, where you've got Russians, Russians and Ukrainians, you've got Iranians, you've got North Koreans. Um, and it's bad enough if it's someone just looking to steal all of your money, which is not great in the first place. But when you have, if the attack is carried out by, say, an Iranian group like this, that's sanctioned by the U.S. government. If you pay, if you pay that ransom, you've just committed a felony. What? Yeah. <laughs> Wait a minute. So you as a company get your organization essentially shut down. But if it's done by, by uh, you if, know, if it's done by a sanctioned organization, do not pay that ransom. <laughs> so what, what then do you do? Hope you have good backups. Hope you have. Wow. Oh, so well, listen, Dave, I'm not so worried about getting <laughs> hacked personally, because I have, uh, I use uh, Trend Micro antivirus. So I'm good, right? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. So and traditional antivirus only gets so far in stopping something like this. A traditional antivirus looks for something called uh, virus definition signatures, typically. Known code compilations that, uh, you know, are, have been recognized by antivirus manufacturers the world over. And so the programmers know to look for if, if you know, you see this code anywhere in the file, that file is probably malicious and you should kill it. That doesn't help if they're not using a virus in the first place, if someone's just logging into your system and installing all this uh, software or running or executing a, what's called a scriptless attack or a fileless script-based attack where they take advantage of various exploits on your computer that don't require them to ever load a, a traditional virus on the system. And so um, much better for something like that um, is kind of this next generation of antivirus that we've been seeing coming out in the last few years. Um, these are made by companies like Sentinel One, um, like uh, Checkpoint or CrowdStrike. Um, and they are kind of the next evolution of a typical antivirus. What they will do is constantly be scanning, not for specific files, but rather for specific behaviors that are known to be the sort of thing, the sort of activity that would come, that would that would elicit one of these attacks. So they'll look for, you know, is someone is something scanning the file system that really shouldn't be, or, you know, is my computer talking to this command and control matrix somewhere out there in the ether? And they will block that at its source. And it's been shown that um, when an organization like uh, what happened with like what happened with Darkstrike or Darkside, uh, when an organization like that gets into the network, they will usually go out of the way to avoid any systems that have these, what's called an EDR system on there because that's likely to detect their presence. It's also really important to note that a lot of companies just assume I've got a good firewall in place, I'm fine. You know, They can't get through my perimeter and I don't have to worry about it. 
And the truth is that they absolutely can get past your perimeter. And once they do, most companies have absolutely no defenses whatsoever on the inside of their network. Once they get past their firewall, they're in. They can they can play around all they want. And that is no good whatsoever because it will take them a matter of days before they have control of complete access or complete control over the network. Everything. Everything. <laughs> Everything. Guys, this is um, like the cyber version of the Halloween movies. I mean, this is spooky stuff. Oh, yeah. yeah it really is. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It, it does not take very long before that call is coming from inside the house. Wow. All right. So, you know, there was the uh, primary, very clear and obvious consequences of this attack, but there were some side effects to this attack too, weren't there? Well, yes, but not in the way you might think. Um, this, the side effects to this for this attack have actually been for Darkseid rather than for the, uh, the rather than for Colonial. So Darkseid is weird, is kind of unique in that, um, as I mentioned, they they run themselves very much like a business, and they kind of proclaim themselves as the uh, the the ethical ransomware group. They, uh, they they specifically don't target hospitals or government organizations or um, healthcare providers, educational organizations or nonprofits, because they, they very specifically have said we're not a, we're not here to cause chaos. We're not a political or uh, or social company. We just want to make as much money as possible. So we're just going to go after the big companies that can afford to pay us the fifty million dollar ransoms or however much they feel like extracting. Wow, they're, um, <laughs> they're definitely good guys. That's what they claim. I mean, they're still stealing an enormous amount of money from people. <laughs> wow. um, but what the, what this colonial pipeline attack has done is it has drawn the the immediate and full fury of the United States government down on them. <laughs> and so they very, very quickly threw up a bunch of notes saying, oh, whoa, 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 we did not intend that to happen. We, we're, the, the affiliate who did that is no longer going to be working with us. Oh, um, yeah, very cool. Of you to hire that <laughs> right, right. That makes everything okay, right? Totally fine. Yes, totally fine. Unbelievable. Um, so and that's uh, <laughs> that's how that so went down. Now that we know how nefarious this can be, and now that we know how costly it can be, imagine, you know, people freak out when they their iPhone won't turn on. They're like, oh my God, I have to charge my iPhone for 15 minutes. I can't look at my data, right? Mm -hmm. An entire company, multi-million, billion dollar company that is just right now done. Can't touch anything, can't do anything. Um, so we get how nefarious that is, but let's talk about now, what could they have done to prevent this? So there's several things you can do to prevent it. Um, the first is make sure that you have any form of access to your network should be secured through what's called multi-factor authentication. It's something we've all seen and used these days with our banking websites, with um, a lot of email programs, or just more secure sites in general, where anytime you go to sign in, it texts you a message. It sends you a text message for a code that you have to type in, or you have to pull up a application on your phone to generate a code. Uh, Multi-factor authentication goes a huge, does a huge distance of uh, making sure that that stays secure because that ensures that uh, someone can't just try as many passwords as possible to get into the network because they still have to have your phone as well. Otherwise, you're just a brute force attack away from somebody getting access to your system. So you're a brute force attacks, is that what that is? 
A brute force attack is basically just, I'm going to spray thousands of passwords at this account until one of them clicks. Okay. Um, and multi-factor goes a long way towards shutting something like that down. Uh, the other few, the other things you can do is look into using something like one of those next generation antiviruses I had mentioned, um, an EDR system that will basically uh, catch a lot of this activity before it, before it gets anywhere in the network and will report it back as something that's potentially very dangerous and you can take action against. Um, some other steps you can take are to make sure that your internal network is secured from threats within as well as threats without. Do things like segmenting your network out so that only the people who need to have access to certain systems have that access, whether that be through putting a second firewall in the middle of your network that, that gates access to key servers, whether that be locking down the files and permissions. Because the truth is that for most files, they don't even need you know admin credentials to get into it because a lot of companies, all of their users have access to almost all of their data. So if you get any, any one user, you've got access to anything you need. Mm -hmm. If you can limit that so that people have the least amount of access that is necessary to do their job, that goes a long way towards mitigating some of, the, some of this sort of activity. Uh, and then the other really big one that um, I am a huge proponent of is something called an immutable backup. Um, an immutable backup is kind of a new concept that's only been coming out the last year or two, but it uses a system like Amazon S3 to lock your backups in place so that once that backup is there, there's a certain window where it just can't be changed. No one can go in, no one can corrupt it. That backup is permanently locked in that state. So you can always recover from it. You can read from it all you want, but you can't write to it, you can't delete it. So that ransomware that goes out and starts destroying all of your backups can't touch that one at all. And you can always recover back from that. Wow. You know, um, so first of all, uh, the podcast, we usually talk about things around entrepreneurship and very frequently we're talking to people, interviewing people, working with people that have had a job and they've said to themselves, well, that can never happen to me. I'm not going to get laid off. My company's not going to go through a merger and acquisition. And then they find themselves in that position. And I think this is a similar scenario, right? That, companies say that. absolutely oh, is. They're not going to hack. Why would they want to hack me? Right. I'm a tiny guy. Why would, why would anyone want to bother hacking me? And, and in fact, they do. Right? <laughs> absolutely. Yes. Um, Darkseid's proclamations of who they attack aside, there's plenty of other people out there who have absolutely no qualms about just deploying ransomware, just spraying it out at everything that, that will take it. And if it gets on a system, it gets on a system and they collect their payday. Um, so they, I've seen, I, I've seen local charities get hit by it. We've seen, you know, tiny mom and pop shops with only five employees get hit by it. Uh, it you know, they don't care. They'll go after whoever they can get it on. Uh, so let me ask you a question. Is the, these are all common sense, easy to implement solutions, right? Multi-factor, I don't think any expense associated with that or minimal. No, yeah, it's it, multi-factor is minimal expense. Something like an immutable backup can get a little bit expensive, but it's not that difficult to implement in any good, or so most of the good backup systems these days have the option to go, to go to a system like that. Um, a good endpoint threat detection system. It does cost a little bit more than your traditional antivirus, but not by much. Really? Not $5 million in Bitcoins. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> not $5 million in Bitcoins. 
I am honestly convinced that the uh, the part of the rise of the uh, bit of the value of Bitcoin is due to ransomware because it usually requires that it be paid in Bitcoin. Yeah, no, I think you're exactly right. And there's some investors out there that are like, "Well, I have mixed feelings about this because I have I invest <laughs> in Bitcoin, but it's coming from hacking, and that's how it's increasing." But yeah. I. <laughs> um, so you know, I and I think we touched on this. No business is safe, and no business is too small or too big. In fact, would would you agree that well, first of all, I read something that says 80 to 90% of all the hackers are not, did not go through schooling. They learned how to do it on blogs and watching videos and things like that. So we can call them the amateur independent contractor hackers. <laughs> yep. These, these are your affiliates. <laughs> and then you, of course, have the big fish. But those affiliates would go after a person who had decent net worth all the way through a small company, wouldn't they? Absolutely, yes. So there's yeah, they, nobody that's safe from this. Not really, no. If uh, if your if your system is exposed and it's easy to get into, someone will get into it. But Dave, I'm a small company and I don't have a lot of resources to go out and get immutable backups. I don't think it might be too expensive. What do I do? What does a small business do, Dave? Well, you have to you have to gauge your risk and whether it you know you view it to be worth it or not. Um, but honestly, it's an expense that you may not want to pay, but it's an expense that's a lot easier to swallow than a five million dollar ransom. Wow. Yeah. So let's talk about some action points here for everybody who's listening. I think this has been fascinating. I've learned some things that I didn't know, and I'm probably not going to sleep well tonight thinking about them. So thanks. <laughs> Welcome to the world of the secure, of cybersecurity. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So. I, uh, Oh, <laughs> I was just gonna say, I uh, sometimes I wish we still still were in in, a, in an age of carrying spears and living in caves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sometimes I do too. So, what I would like to do for the benefit of those listening is for you guys to say, like, listen, here are three or here are five steps you should take right now. Look here, ask this question, etc. Um, so do you, do you guys have some pointers that you would say to a company who is listening to this, they're chewing their fingernails, their foot's rattle on the floor and they're like, oh no, we're in trouble maybe. What would you, what would you tell them? Well, I mean, first off, I would tell them to make sure that you are taking what, what actions you can to secure your network. You make sure you've got a, a good solid antivirus that you've done your research in terms of what it can, of what your antivirus can do because not all of them are created equal. Some are way better at detecting th uh, detecting attacks than others. Um, there's a report put out by a group called uh, MITRE, M-I-T-R-E, that um, rates a lot of antiviruses' responses against exactly this sort of threat. They use the exact same sort of attack patterns that these um, current uh, long-term attacks have been using. Um, look into something like an immutable backup, or if you know if you, can, if you can't afford to do it through Amazon S3, that's perfectly fine too, because you know what else makes for a good immutable backup? Storing it on a hard drive and taking that hard drive off of your network so that nothing can get, so that nothing can touch it. Boom. Um, Training your staff is very important. Um, yes. The vast majority <laughs> of attacks don't come from somebody just brute forcing their way into your network. They come through a familiar source, through somebody through a phishing email or a bad download, um, 
something where somebody who's trusted in the network gives someone else access by mistake. So by training, by running phishing tests and campaigns and educating your staff, you can prevent um, and close up so many of those open doors. Absolutely, yes. The, the biggest gap in a network security hole or in a, in a network security is usually the staff. Interesting. So, you know, a couple things I know about this. Um, one is, right, so you get an email and the email looks like it's from Amazon or someone you might trust, right? Um, I don't open emails unless I'm expecting them or they're from a person that I've been exchanging with. I don't open those on my cell phone. I open those on my laptop. And what I do is I hover over that name and it's surprising how many times it says from Amazon, but then it's mm -hmm. amazon freddycom or some weird whatever, right? Mm -hmm. That's the first sign that you know, all right, this is, this is not on the level. What, are the, what other kinds of things do you see in those kinds of phishing attempts? Um, so very commonly, you'll see things like um, notification that you've received a package that you weren't expecting, or you'll see notification that, um, a, that a password has been reset and it looks like it comes from Microsoft, except it does, you know, there's no O in Microsoft or something like that. Um, very, very commonly, the names will be very similar to whatever it is you're, you're expecting to see, but they'll be just a little bit off. Mm -hmm. um, Typos, font changes. If you examine very closely, sometimes you can identify those little tiny details. You know, I got an email once. I have a, so I'm an entrepreneur, right? I have a QuickBooks account that I keep my books on. And it came from QuickBooks. Only the B was the number eight. And uh -huh. it was so damn subtle <laughs> that I looked one time, I almost clicked. I looked again, I looked a third time. And that's when I noticed it was an eight. So that's what you're yeah. talking about. Absolutely. And now you've got where they've even gone a step further um, because people are on to them about emails. And now you've got smishing, which is the SMS version of that, which says um, your package will be delivered or your package is delayed. And it looks like it's coming from Amazon. And by following the link, then you can, it, it even goes so far as to configure your phone to spread a uh, Trojan um, once you're on a business network, for example. Wow. Mm -hmm. There's some pretty advanced things going on out there. Yep. Um, as another popular one that we, you know, we see time and time again, you have uh, voice phishing or phishing where you have someone calls in, says, I'm calling from Microsoft support. Um, we understand there's been a problem with your network. We need to take a quick look at your system. Would you mind helping, uh, you know, letting me hop onto your computer for a few minutes? Someone does. And now they've got full access to the network. Wow. Um, social engineering, uh, the act of convincing your staff that, that you should, that, you know, convincing the staff that they should be on the network is rule number one in terms of how things get into the, get onto a network they, they shouldn't. Wow. Yeah, you know, in um, one of the companies that uh, I have some interactions with, they were sending from the president of the company, they were sending emails to different random people saying, hey, we need to do X, Y, Z. And because of that, we need a gift card for $50. Can you go to the store and, you know, mm -hmm. this link and this will give you the money or whatever, you know, whatever uh, that was. 
Phil, have I got a story for you. Um, someone who, before they became a client of ours and how they became a client of ours, um, originally they, their staff, their accountant had received a wire transfer request and it looked like it was from the president of the company. So they fulfilled that wire transfer, believing that it was the president needing this transfer in order to purchase materials for the company. It was very legitimate. Um, it was someone who had access to their email, to multiple email accounts for a period of time and had learned how the company worked, how they interacted, the wording, everything. Um, so it was, there wasn't even a second guess until it came up in casual conversation. Well, the wire transfer was $40,000 wow. and the money was just gone. There was just, there was no way to do anything at that point. Um, the company was just out $40,000. Oh, and the employee was probably out of a job. It, it was a little hairy. <laughs> yeah. Yes. There were definitely yes. some conversations had, if nothing else. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> Um, well, listen, this has been amazing. And before we close off for the session, I've learned so much. I think our listeners did, did as well. Um, do you have any other tips that you'd want to share? Just always be on your guard because there's bad actors out there and they, uh, they're sneaky. They have to be. This is what they do for a living. Be on your guard and train your staff to be on their guard too. Mm -hmm. well, what I would say to all of you listening, again, if you have a business or you know somebody that has a business, be thinking about these things. Take those steps that they talked about. And if there's ever value to talk to people with expertise, I think we've all heard that Synetric has that expertise. Give them a call. Now, they're based in Kansas City. I always mispronounce it, Olathe. Olathe. Yeah, Olathe. <laughs> But that doesn't mean that, you know, they're not helpful to you. That doesn't mean that they wouldn't have resources, even if you're in California where I am. But certainly, if you're in the area that they service and you have some things that you need some help or some consulting on, um, you know, reach out to Synetric. And I'll, I'll put their contact information in the show notes for everybody. But Dave, Brittany, fascinating information. A little spooky, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> um, but thank you. I learned a ton. Thanks for having us on, Phil. Really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs>